Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Who, who, who told you I was a mailman? Look to Carl Malone. He's got him low. Mailman crossed the middle, left the road. Running one-handers. Good. The Stockton. It's loose. Byron Muscle falls down and Stock comes away with the ball. Down court is a mailman. He's got him. Perfect feed. One a sec right side. Down low. Carl Malone. Easy dunk. Mailman squares away. Well, it's winning. Crown now backing him in. In the paint, turn right. Jump hook, up and in. We work together. Talk to me about this four different times. He's like, yeah, Bart, he's a mail courier. Yeah. He carries mail. And I said that with nothing but respect. As a man who has worked many jobs in his life, me, I have nothing but respect for that. But I was dead wrong. Okay, so sometimes, like, I forget people's name or (laughs) I forget they have a kid or I forget maybe one of their parents died. (laughs) Uh, How do you get the detail wrong that someone's a mailman or not? <laughs> it's a big detail to get wrong. I don't even remember where it came from, but I did get it wrong. And it will now forever, though, be a part of the identity of our next guest here on Hit and Run. It is Bart Winkler. If you're in Milwaukee, listen to Bart in the morning, AM 1250, FM 105.7 FM, The Fan, as Bart Winkler, who is not a mailman, joins us right here on The Score. I I still don't know where I got it, but it's one of my favorite fake facts about you, Bart. Well, and it makes uh, speaks for a good intro and actually a better intro than I get on my own show that I do four hours a day every weekday. So I, I appreciate it, and, and it is funny, and I still don't believe it. But, again, no no disregard to mailmen. Great profession. I just yes. not one. Yes. No, we, we have a lot of mailmen uh, listeners um, through the years. A lot, a lot of folks texting into the show at 312-644-6767. I don't know if they'd have you, Bart. I don't know if you're good enough to join their ranks, frankly. Uh, well, I have a history with stealing, so it's probably not the right profession for me. <laughs> That's a felony, last I checked. It reminds me of one time I was on the phone with the former wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dolphins, uh, Kevin Curtis. Remember Kevin Curtis? I do. I do. And I, and I said to him, hey, it, <clears throat> it says here that, that you are a, a master at Dungeons and Dragons. Tell me about that. And he said, what? No, no, dude, that's that's not right. That's not right. And somebody had messed with his Wikipedia bio, and I'd been stupid enough to just go with it. So, danger of live radio. Um, that's not why I called, though, Bart. I called because the Brewers are in town, 
And yesterday, all of baseball was treated to our first skirmish of this young season, this 2020 season. And that's what it's going to look like. The skirmish is guys screaming at each other from opposing dugouts. Um, Javi Baez getting upset when Corbin Burns, who can't find the plate to save his life, ends up hitting him inside. Yeah, Wilson Contreras screaming. And then my favorite moment is Christian Yelich jumping over the uh, the bar like, oh, God, I, we have to do this, right? I have to show that I would I would actually fight if we're going to fight. We know we're not going to fight, but I have to show that I give a crap. Okay, let me do this. That's what that looked like to me. Your, your thoughts on the delightful skirmish between the Brewers and the Cubs yesterday? Like the bullpen catcher that's, like, running out at a, you know, a leisurely pace, and by the time he gets there, like, the game's already restarted. That kind of thing from Yelich. I think we're going to see – Yeah, you're right. We're probably going to see a lot of this. And Council, who just happened to be mic'd up on the TV side of things after the game, said, you know, or during the game, that we can hear everything. You know, you guys can institute your fake crowd noise, and we'll get a little bit of it here in the ballpark. But things that we said under our breath, uh, we got to be a little more careful because you're going to hear that on the other side. But I do think you're going to see a lot of what you saw yesterday where guys are like – I'm so mad, I'm so mad, and then, well, what am I going to do? I, I, can't, I can't do anything, and if we go and try to have this fight, I mean, we're all going to get in trouble, and we can't, we can't even spit, we can't even get baseballs from the umpire. You, you think I'm, I'm going to get away with throwing a punch? So I think that what you saw yesterday, you're going to see a bunch of throughout the season, a lot of, you know, the precipice of a fight with nobody having that intention. Yes, I think you're exactly right. Um, the rules for this year state that you are not allowed to argue with an umpire within six feet, and you are not supposed to go within six feet of an opposing player. There's very detailed wording. Obviously, you can't you can't you deal with that when you're on the bases, but players are subjected to ejection and discipline. And here's what gets me about it. Discipline will be consistent with past precedent, will not be reduced or prorated. So if you if it's like a little five game suspension, that's you know basically fifteen games you're missing in terms of the regular season. I think guys are going to take this one very seriously. Well, and I think that is going to be a big you know point of the season is that everything that we see in normal years, we're we're playing one third of the season. So the suspensions, people don't want that. Injuries, you might have you might have guys try to rush back quicker from injuries mm-hmm. because they know if they miss two weeks. I mean that's. That's a good chunk of the season. I think this timing, the 60 games, I was really excited from it from a, a competitive standpoint because I've always had, like, we, we whenever we do a, a segment, what's your, what's your worst take? What's your dumbest thing that you want to see in sports? I always go to, I want one baseball season where instead of 162 games and it's the day in, day out, which we love, I want to see it though, like an NFL season. I want to see Monday night baseball, and I want to see the red zone channel for baseball. I want to see a 16-game season because I want to see everything during the games amplified. I want the pressure of the postseason mm-hmm. into the regular season. And I thought, okay, we're going to kind of get that with the 60-gamer. And yeah. then was it a half hour or 45 minutes before the season started? They're like, oh, no, <laughs> six more teams can make the playoffs. Let's, let's just do this as these guys are warming up. Uh, so it kind of takes that away. Like the series right now between the Brewers and Cubs, one and one. And after Friday night, you know, it was good to feel upset again as a Brewers fan that they got smoked by Kyle Hendricks. But then you're also like, well, I mean, 
everyone everyone makes the playoffs anyway unless you are really bad. And if the Brewers win 30, 31 games as they're projected to, they will probably be in. So it kind of takes that away a little bit. That was one of the things I was looking forward to the most of the season is yeah. how every game did have that three-game weight on it, and the expanded playoffs kind of killed that. That that whole that whole answer from you speaks to the kind of emotional arc of like wrapping your head around what this season is going to be. Like, all right, well, I'll take what I can get. Sixty, all right, bring it. Here we go. And then wait a minute, everybody makes the playoffs, but it's still it's still not everybody. There's going to be some good teams, a couple of good teams that fall outside that top sixteen, and they're going to bitch about it. And in this division, you know, I, I mean, are all four? Are all four going to make it? It's it's entirely possible that that's the way it goes because the top two from each division make it. And then let's say it's Cubs and Brewers three and four or Cardinals and Brewers three and four. It's entirely possible that um, th- that everybody makes it. Um, we'll, 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 we'll have to see. I, I think your manager is really good. Really, really good. And just even when he talks, even that stuff that you're talking about yesterday when he was mic'd up and talking, just the way he talks about it is like, he just kind of has a knack for giving you the realities of a situation with a calm perspective that makes you realize you should trust him. I assume the players feel that way about him. Do you, you hear a lot more audio from him. Do you respect him as much as I guess that I might if I were Milwaukee media? Yeah, I think Council is absolutely terrific. And I, I believe at this point he's the longest – Tenured manager in the National League, I think that's true. Insane. With a couple of, with Madden going to the the Angels, I think he's the longest tenured. I mean, there's still guys. I was watching the Padres game last night. Forgive me, I've never heard of Jace Tingler. I don't know who that is, <laughs> and he's the he's the Padres manager. He's a manager in baseball. I've never I've never even heard of him. Well, so first you'll have to you'll have to tell people whether his name is Jace Tingler or Jay Stingler. You'll have to you'll I have to map that. I don't now. know. I don't know. I have no idea. But Council, I think he has been, and I like that, he, he does put things in a very real perspective. The one thing that he does say still to this day that is a bunch of, I'll say malarkey, I guess, or baloney or hogwash, I don't know. He mm. says, oh, lineups don't matter. It doesn't matter where I back guys. Well, then, you know, to start the season, he puts Lorenzo Cain at the bottom when he's been struggling, you know, over the last year. That's one thing he still says that, all right, Craig, you know that lineups matter. You know that you build it for a reason. But everything else, you know, he, is, he does have a very realistic approach, and I think that the guys do look at him as somebody who's been through a lot with baseball. It is one of the things between the, I'll use a bigger word, the dichotomy of the Brewers and the Cubs. You know, Council, I see this manager, and you see this a lot in baseball, guys that go right to managing without – being in triple a or being in double a or, or working up that ladder council retires as a player does some front office stuff yep. for like a year with the brewers and then all of a sudden he's the manager and i think there's enough like gap between the guys that were on his team right away and who he is that that it's not a big deal i mean i think the only guy right now that he played with was was braun but then you have the cubs and david ross David Ross like is everybody's friend, so I don't. I, that's what I wonder about how the Cubs are going to work because I was looking at that Cubs lineup the other day, and it's it's you know, a lot of the main players are still intact, and they all played with David Ross. So I do wonder from a Cubs standpoint. I've always been high, like everybody. The Cubs lineup is great. Their bullpen is bad, except for my boy Dan Winkler, no relation. 
and the starting pitching should be better than it is, I wonder how much of an influence David Ross being the manager is going to cost this team wins or losses. That's my biggest question towards them. I, Ross is a really good fit for them personally. Don't don't be swayed by the fact that he you know has been very good friends with these guys. He doesn't mind pissing people off. He has never minded that. He 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 will tell you straight to your face. This is one of his superpowers is the belief in positive confrontation. He will tell you straight to your face when he thinks you've been jaking it, when he thinks you've been sucking, and you'll want to do well for him. That that's the dynamic that he had as a veteran that he's only going to have more so as a manager. And he knows that he's going to lose a couple of friendships as he goes a little harder in that direction. And he's, he's okay with it. So I don't, I I think, I I think what you're going to get from this Cubs team and you've already seen it is there, they are plugged in and active uh, from every pitch. Did you hear them during Chris Bryant's at bats last yesterday and the day before, like, if you get a chance, people, you can go back and, and listen. They, uh, they're chattering and banging on the, uh, on the bars there on the front of the dugout and screaming at every pitch from the leadoff at bat on, just completely plugged in. And that's part of why things got feisty yesterday is that both teams are, are extremely plugged in and, and getting at it, and you can hear each other. So... I think Ross is going to be okay in that regard. It's strategically, we're going to figure out some stuff that he does that drives us crazy. I don't know what it is yet. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know what it is yet. It could be hitting Jason Hayward sixth when he hasn't deserved to be there for a good four years. That, that might be an issue. <laughs> or coming out to say hi to Kyle Hendricks for no reason in the ninth inning on Friday night. Oh, that was checking on him, saying, you got one more hitter in you? You got one more? That was, hey, just uh, everybody, I'm David Ross. It's national TV. I just (laughs) want to give a shout-out to my old boys at ESPN here. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, it's all right. Well, you know, you got your stuff that that you will have that will drive you crazy about the Cubs and point out. What's up with a pitcher and a nosebleed? How do you have a nosebleed out of nowhere, the middle of an inning for Corbin Burns? That's what that was, right? Do we have any more information on the nosebleed that stopped the game yesterday? I don't know, but when that happened, I was like, you know, you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Is this is 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 some kind of COVID-related thing? Are we, are we screwed here? I'm surprised yeah. the season got started. Juan Soto had a positive test yeah. two hours before the game, and they're like, ah, we'll just play. I mean, they, they, you know, they, they've gone through so much, these guys, that they, they want to get on the field. I don't know what the Burns thing was. I do know that he looked better than, than he has, and I think that he needs to be – I'd like him to go longer, but it is early in the season. But Woodruff and Burns, it's one of the reasons – and we'll see Freddie Peralta today. These, these three young pitchers that good they stuff. came into the season with. All of them you good know, stuff. They, they, they come into the season with these guys last year. I've wanted – the Brewers to make a big acquisition for pitching forever. I mean, you could throw out any name. Half of the Cubs starting staff I wanted. You Darvish I really wanted. I really wanted Sonny Gray to get traded, especially when we had his old college coach, and now those two have linked up with the Reds. I've always wanted one of these top-flight pitchers to come to the Brewers and kind of establish that. But, but if, and I'm starting to buy more into this, if Woodruff can be – a true ace, and if Burns can pop up and be the number two, because I think Burns, Corbin Burns' potential is so high, but every time that he's had the opportunity to reach it, he has faltered a little bit. Maybe it's bad pitching or, you know, the aforementioned nosebleed. 
we'll see if he can. And, and then if Freddie Peralta can reach the level that the Brewers believe he can, giving him a multi-year extension. I, I've always wanted that ace. I think that if Woodruff can reach that and they can get some guys to fall in behind them. Mm-hmm. You know, the Brewers did make some acquisitions. Some, some more pitchers came over. Brett Anderson, you know, contact pitcher with the A's, has an injury history. He's out right now. Eric Lauer, you know, he's like a fourth guy on the Pirates a couple of, or Padres a couple of years ago before the Jace Tingler era. I don't <laughs> know. I don't think it's going to be those guys that do it for Milwaukee. These, these journeymen type four or five pitchers, I'd like to see the Brewers have the number twos, have the number ones, and they've never been able to really acquire them outside of Granky for a little bit and CC Sabathia for three months. Yeah. But the Brewers' pitching development has been so bad over the last 15 years that if he if they can hit on two of these three guys, all three of these guys, mm. he will do wonders for what this team's trajectory is this year and beyond. All right, let me say two nice things about your ball club before I let you go. Um, number Please. one, Lorenzo Cain is, has such a high baseball IQ. This is the second time he has been involved in the exact same rundown play against the Cubs. For last year or two years ago, it was Yelich who was on second, and Kane hit the ball and ended up going to second, drawing all the defenders over there, and then going back to first. Yesterday, he's the one going, going back to second, and I forget, I forget who hit it after him. Was it Arcia? It somebody, somebody goes back to first, and the Cubs look like boobs both times, but part of that is the baseball IQ of Lorenzo Kane. He's good. Unbelievable that it happened the second time. It was uh, Gamble that went Gamble. back to first. Unbelievable that it's already happened against that team with the same guy. Should Unbelievable. That's yes. a nice thing. What's your other one? All right. The other one is that I believe in order to make him comfortable, the Brewers' teammates were the ones booing Ryan Braun at Wrigley Field yesterday. I believe the Brewers' dugout was booing Ryan Braun. And if that is the case, that is self-aware and kind of adorable. Oh, Ryan Braun, to not get booed at Wrigley, it's just not right. It's just not right. So, yes, I – you know, Yelich, when they did the inter-squad scrimmages, he got booed because they were playing around with the the sound at Miller Park, and he got booed. And, uh. you know, he's like, what is this, Wrigley? And everybody, you know, laughed. And uh, 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 when, yeah. when, when, Braun, when Braun was asked about not getting booed at Wrigley, he's like, no, there's some – there's no way that I'm going to go there and not get booed. I, there's, there's somehow some way – I'm going to go there and not get booed. And now this this shortened season, this is probably going to be bronze last season. But he's he's mm. not ready to be done yet, so he might have another year of booing after this one. Well, good good on the Brewers for booing their own teammate. I think that is a that that that's a funny and clever way to do it. All right, Bart, this is going to be a fun weird year and uh good luck to uh, Giannis, your true love. Oh my god. Uh call me about that sometime. I will. I will. Thank you, Bart. That's Bart Winkler, who is not a mailman. He continues to not be a mailman. Every time we speak to him, he will not be a mailman. It is hit and run on 670 The Score. We have a White Sox lineup, and it has some people upset for a couple reasons. One of them, I think, is incredibly viable, uh, a reason to be upset. The other, I think we'll have to sort of understand a little. 
But, you know, you're baseball fans. You're allowed to get angry. We'll discuss it next on 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Did the process with Yoan Moncada kind of reaffirm your faith about how the protocols work? It did. It definitely did. About opposite way with some slug. Deep left center field to the wall it goes and banging off the wall. Here comes Tim. He's around to score. The Sox take the first lead of the ball game. Moncada sends one flying and it's 1 nothing. Nice. Juan Moncada is the best player on the White Sox. It's easy to get excited about Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez to appreciate. The, uh, the consistency of Jose Abreu to be excited about the veteran presence of Edwin Encarnacion uh, and Yasmani Grandal's excellence in a variety of areas. But Yohan Moncada is the best player on the White Sox, and he's not on the lineup today. And that is among the things that is driving White Sox fans crazy, absolutely crazy on Twitter. And they are. Here's Rick Renteria from a few days ago. Before we talk about this lineup today and what has gone on, there is a revised lineup, by the way. Moncada's still not in it. Two days in, when he's hit the ball very well, when he's been part of an explosive offense both days, even in the loss. Why is Yohan Moncada having a day off today? Here's uh, Rick Renteria from the 20th of July. The other thing everybody has to you know, remember is you know, not having been in the time that everybody else has, to expect him to go three, four, five, six, seven days in a row would be, would be, um, I don't think it's prudent. I don't, you know, I don't think it's it's wise. But again, in talking to young players and how they're feeling physically, that will dictate a lot of the uh, a lot of the decisions that I make. So Mancada is coming off of COVID, and is going to have a couple off days here early. And I know they have one off day next week. I think Wednesday is the off day for, or is it Thursday is the off day for the White Sox this coming week. Uh, Sean Anderson can take a peek at that for me. But either way, maybe he talked to him this morning and said, Yohan, I'm going to give you an off day either today or tomorrow. Which one? And Yohan said, you know what? Let's do it today because he's a little rundown. You don't know. So I, I wouldn't freak out about that. The off day is Thursday. Okay. So it's a home game today. Maybe you think uh, you're going to be able to put up a bunch of offense in your home stadium and you can survive a little bit better without Mancata today as opposed to tomorrow when you uh, when you start three um, on the road against Cleveland, right? It's Cleveland first, then Kansas City. 
So you start three on the road against a big division foe, and you want Moncada for all three of those, I would assume. So I wouldn't freak out about that. Now, the original lineup, which had Anderson, Jimenez, Abreu, and Carnacion, four straight righties to start, and then a couple switches, Young Grandal and Leori Garcia, and then three more righties, Robert, Mendick, and Angle. People freaking out about that lineup. With good reason, and I'll tell you why. Kenta Maeda is the opposition. Kenta Maeda of the Twins, the former Dodger. Do you have any idea how good he is against righties? Last year against lefties, um, they had a combined OPS of 750. That's, that's not very good because Maeda is a pretty good pitcher. So lefties, you know, hit 750 in terms of OPS. 800 is a real good OPS in terms of a total for lefties. 750, it's, you know... It's 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 decent. It's right on the edge there. Righties, the combined OPS. Sean, take a guess. The combined OPS for right-handed hitters in virtually the same amount of plate appearances for righties against Kenta Maeda. 639. 535. He dominates right-handers. Dominates them. It's It's a big part of why he has been a bullpen weapon, a long relief weapon. For the Dodgers in the playoffs for several years now. Sometimes as a starter, sometimes as a reliever. Dominates righties. So to have that many righties is is crazy. It's a little bit crazy, but you got no Moncada. What are your other options? Well, now we have a revised lineup and Nicky Delmonico's in the lineup. Okay, so now there's there's a lefty and two switches to go along with things. And because Delmonico is in at the two-hole, now you don't go, you have righty, in Anderson, lefty Delmonico, righty Abreu, switch in Grandal, righty, righty, righty in the middle, and righty. So still four righties in a row before you get to Lurie Garcia in the nine, nine hole. Um, yeah. Ricky's got, Ricky's got lineup issues. I wonder, did somebody get to him between the first lineup and the second lineup? Did he decide to go with Delmonico instead of Engel? I wonder why. Um, I like Nicky Delmonico. I think he has worked really hard on his swing and made some changes that showed themselves in spring training and in summer camp. I'm cool with Nicky Delmonico making this team and getting the occasional start. Batting him second in a big league game does not make a lick of sense to me. Not a lick of sense. You know, I'd rather see Lurie Garcia up in the two hole and Delmonico down. Um, I just, you know, but Hey, it's Ricky's team, baby. And this is what drives white Sox fans crazy about Ricky. Last year, it was a lot of Tim Anderson hitting seventh. Um, a lot of that. And then, you know, where would he put Grandal and Abreu and stuff like that? And now here we go. Should Grandal be higher? You could have put Grandal second. Anderson, how about Anderson, Grandal, Abreu and Carnacion? And move Laurie around, you know, to, just to keep it varied. You got options. There are things you could do. Batting Nicky Delmonico second is not one that I would do. But welcome to baseball season. This is the fun of going crazy. Going absolutely crazy about stuff like that. Texter says, boy, it's nearly impossible to put together a bad lineup with this many talented hitters. Ricky Renteria says, hold my beer. <laughs> Man, there's a lot of really good hitters in this lineup. You saw something um, earlier in the week in one of the scrimmage games against the Cubs. 
that will be a version of what you see. And I've already seen during the course uh, of, of these two games for, for the White Sox. And it's the mix in this lineup. Some very professional, patient adult hitters mixed in with precocious, uber-talented kids. Encarnacion the other night, Ward Darvish out with a nine-pitch walk. You remember that? And then Tommy Hottavy came, down, came out and talked to Darvish and tried to settle him down. Eloy was waiting next and pounced on a first-pitch fastball that everybody in the ballpark knew was coming. All 180 people in the ballpark knew was coming. That dynamic could happen with Abreu working account followed by Robert or Grandal working account followed by Anderson. That kind of mix is what makes them very, very special. Moncada, as a hitter, needs no help or setup from anyone. He is thoroughly legit as an offensive player and has now proven it. After, after a couple years of showing himself to be too patient, taking a lot of called strike threes and other things, you eventually saw Moncada last year prove everybody he could hit and then start to work the walks back in. It's a shame he's not in there today. Dallas Keuchel, who pitched very, very well yesterday, was talking about this White Sox team and what it's like to to be a pitcher on this White Sox team. Here's Dallas Keuchel, and he says something in there that uh, that surprises me and makes me want to look back at uh, some of Keuchel's years in Houston. I see, I see a lot of similarities, and and that's nothing but that's nothing but good. That's nothing but good news for everybody, but. The power is just off the charts. I mean, I don't think I've seen this much power from a lineup uh, that I've been been on ever. And um, I know the Twins set the record for most home runs in a single season last year, but we 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 rival them. I think we're just a lot younger. But if we can have these young guys kind of keep garnering that knowledge of the game, get get a little bit better game in, game out, just know what they did well that game, know what they didn't do well, know what they need to work on. It's going to push some of these guys to the next level. And I've always talked, I've since I joined the team, talked about the young guys taking that next step after they've already taken a step is is going to be the biggest key for us this this year is just them taking another step forward to uh, to star status or superstar status. All right, so hold on. That's Dallas Keuchel saying that this team, what he said, has uh, as as much power as any team he's ever been on. Is that what he said, Sean? To paraphrase for me there. Yeah, he 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 pretty much said that this is the most powerful lineup he's ever been on. Okay, well, Dallas Keuchel. Um, trying to think. So his his Astros career. What, what year is he in Houston? What years are he in Houston for Dallas Keuchel? Because he's in Houston in 2017, right? 2017 Astros had the second most home runs in all of the big leagues. They were pretty good. Those 2017 Astros, 238 homers. The Yankees, 241. So that is surprising to hear from that man. But that's the feeling that you have as you watch this White Sox lineup and the mix of hitters that they have, the exit velocity darlings that they are. I love, uh, I love how excited people are going to get about exit velocity when certain guys 
go big time boom. Whose homer was it yesterday, by the way, that um, Eddie Rosario didn't even move? Was it Edwin Encarnacion? I think that's who it was. Encarnacion's home run where he reached out, fully extended the arms, and hit an absolute blast to way out in left field, straightaway left. Eddie Rosario just did not even move. Hands on his knees for the twins in left field. Did not bat an eye, did not make a movement. Only to look back a little bit at the end just to see how far it went. Gives Edwin Encarnacion an opportunity to drive a ball deep left field. He drops the bat. Watch it go to Ron Homer. A mammoth welcome to Chicago. And here comes the parrot for the first time this year. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun to see that and to watch Eddie Rosario do nothing. Some of your texts are 312-644-6767. This texture says, seems like lefty-righty mix in lineup construction is even more important this year with the new three-batter rule. Absolutely agree. Now, you could make some changes as the game goes on, and you've got an expanded roster, so maybe some of these guys will get in the game later on. But having four righties in a row um, is not ideal. Absolutely not ideal these days because guys have to come in there and face three batters. Jim in Lockport says Abreu was bad versus righties last year. 299 on base percentage. He should sit versus tough righties, and they'll never do it. Perfect spot for Zach Collins today. That's Jim in Lockport. Uh, it'll be, I'll be very, very surprised if Renteria sits Abreu against tough righties. He wants Abreu in there as the vet, as what he is. I hear you. That, that's, that's one where the math will often get trumped by the, by the interpersonal and the confidence and the belief. And I can't hate on it too much because it's Abreu, who will almost always give you good at-bats, especially in crunch situations. Ricky's manager choices drive me nuts, says a texter. Unbalanced lineups, bunting, bad base running decisions. He's a good culture guy, but bad at executing a game plan. Well, we'll see. We'll see how much the bunting is actually going to be there in a year like this. I did see that one game last night, one of the extra inning games, ended in kind of the classic way that people were afraid it was going to end, with the runner at second being put there at the beginning of the inning. The winning run scored after a sack bunt and a sack fly. So, sack bunt for the first out, sack fly for the second out, and there's a run. I think there will be a lot more strategic variance than that i don't think teams are going to go for that as often as some people think but we did have one that ended exactly in that way last night 670 the score is where you are matt spiegel is who you're with right here on hit and run listen to james mccann talking about these white socks and them being a special group this is james mccann talking about it after his performance yesterday yeah, absolutely. You start to to see the the difference uh, from last year to this year. Uh, just the confidence level uh, with the young guys that, are, that have taken the the next step forward, and then the addition of the veteran players that uh, have, have been there and done that. Um, it's a it's a special group, and I, I think that when you have that that healthy mix of of young players and, and veteran players, uh, you can do a lot of special things. That's that's the that's the stuff right there. That mix that mix is the stuff. 
Um, I really like McCann. I was bummed for him to see him not get a start with Giolito on opening day just because of how much he was a part of Giolito's excellence last year. Uh, glad to see him get a chance to start yesterday with Dallas Keuchel. Do we have that cut, Sean, where he's talking about how special that felt? Because for those who don't know, they played together at Arkansas. Man, they played together at Arkansas a decade ago. And now here they are, the two of them, as teammates in the bigs. And McCann finally gets a chance to see what it's like to catch Dallas Keuchel, this version of Dallas Keuchel. Yeah, um, I, it was extra special for me uh, just because we, we played together in college. Uh, so getting to be on the same team as him in the big leagues, um, that's a, a little, just a little added benefit. But uh, he's, he's pretty darn good. Um, he's, he's almost a dying breed in today's game. Uh, you know, he attacks the strike zone and mixes uh, all four pitches consistently. Um, and, and he's not a guy that's, that's uh, you know, bringing upper 90s heat and he, and he manages to get the job done. Uh, he's a lot of fun to catch. And, and the way that he works, um, you know, the defense loves it. He works quick and he, and he pounds his own. 670, the score is where you are. Good fun for McCann, who homered yesterday and got a chance to catch. Sox have two very, very good catchers. When we come back, we've got a Cubs lineup and a roster move as well. We'll explain those to you, and our Bruce Levine will join us live from Wrigley at the top of the hour. Keep it here on Hit and Run. Here's the pitch driven toward right center. This is going to drive in two. All the way to the wall in right center. Coming into the score is Narvaez. Lorenzo Kane right behind on his way to third is Gamble. Slides head first. He's got a triple. And the Brewers lead three to one. I didn't know what they're talking about. You know, I was not there in the, uh, the dugout uh, between, uh, during the innings. But that time I tried to. I tried to go one, two, three innings before that innings. So that's why, you know, I was, you know, I was rushing too much that innings. But I didn't know what happened. That is you, Darvish. Talking about how sometimes he gets a little rushed. Gets a little rushed. That pitch to Ben Gamble. First pitch fastball down the pipe that he absolutely ripped into the gap in the midst of some trouble. He rushed that one and just served it right up. Darvish has so many good pitches and right now has control and he has so much movement and it's all nasty and he should be great and dominant and he's just not because he can get emotionally rattled and he can rush and he can throw things a little straighter than he usually does when he gets rushed like that fastball to Gamble. Just didn't move at all. You know, it's interesting. The inverse of that as a young guy might be Ronaldo Lopez. Lopez has really good stuff, but absolutely can get rattled, admitted as much, worked on it quite a bit in the offseason. It'll be interesting to see him make his first start this afternoon for the White Sox. But I mentioned we have a Cubs lineup. That pregame begins at 12.20 right here on The Score with our Zach Zaidman. Here is your Cubs lineup for the rubber game at Wrigley Field. Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, Kyle Schwarber, Wilson Contreras. That's one through five. Jason Hayward again in the sixth spot, playing right. Nico Horner, Victor Caratini is your DH, and Ian Happ hits ninth. Flip Hayward and Happ. Flip him. I'll flip you. 
Flippy for real. Maybe Hap there in the ninth spot is like having a second leadoff guy or a second uh, on-base percentage guy to get on ahead of Rizzo, Baez, Schwarber, in addition to Bryant, theoretically, from the leadoff spot. But I don't feel great about Hayward's six these days. Uh, Bryant in the leadoff. A lot of people are, are like disappointed. So one texter say, it must be a rule leading off for the Cubs equals not good. Bryant's at-bats have been very good in the leadoff hole. Was it 28 pitches total he has seen in the two games? And uh, as I mentioned earlier, the Cubs dugout locked in from pitch number one, cheering when Bryant fouls one off, when he takes one for a ball, when he stays alive. They know the value of a good at bat. And you can hear from them after the games, both Friday and yesterday, appreciating the value of a good at bat. Anthony Rizzo flat out said he felt the benefit of that when he homered for that insurance run on Friday night to put the Cubs up 3 nothing. Bryant's at-bats are daunting. There is a fear factor there that is legit and will have some effect. Of course he needs to produce and get on base. I think he will. The numbers say that he will. But already, just the nature of his at-bats has been a healthy thing and a good thing to have atop that Cubs lineup. Um, You have... A roster move for the Cubs as well. Remember I told you I didn't like what Brad Wick looked like yesterday? Throwing about 90 miles an hour on that heater. Big curves still look good. But only 90 when it's usually 93-94 and gave up the home run to Yelich. Yelich is going to homer off a lot of people. But still, I think maybe the Cubs realize that they can't put Brad Wick out there throwing 90. So Brad Wick has been... Sent down to uh, South Bend. Or is he put on the injured list? Put on the injured list, right, Sean? Excuse me. So injured list for Brad Wick and Ryan Tapera brought up. This is a reliever that they got from Toronto that I thought was going to break camp with the team. Was a little surprised to see him start at, uh, at South Bend. But now he is up. That's a righty with a real good slider. So they're down a lefty, are the Cubs. But uh, Ryan Tapera is now is now up and here right hamstring strain is what they say for brad wick we also have probables for cubs and reds all games on marquee starting on monday john lester versus wade miley it's your lefty matchup as lester gets his first start on the road and then alec mills versus tyler maley that's tuesday then listen to wednesday and thursday Kyle Hendricks versus Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray was real good on opening day. Now reunited with his former Vanderbilt coach, Derek Anderson, who Bart Winkler mentioned earlier in the hour in Cincinnati. Hendricks and Sonny Gray on Wednesday and on Thursday, you Darvish against Luis Castillo. Castillo struck out 11 yesterday for the Reds as powered by his vicious changeup, which he has masterful control over, and by the way, throws at 89 miles an hour. That's his changeup. Could see 97, you could see 89 with tailing movement. That's what he does. So, look, we'll see what the Cubs can muster offensively today against the Brewers. Freddie Peralta today, another righty with good stuff. 
But uh, this lineup, uh, you know, one through five is daunting. That's for damn sure. One through five is daunting. And then you're figuring out what you're going to get, six, seven, eight, nine. Ian Happ has looked good so far, and that's been nice to see. Also, Tyler Chatwood gets the start today as the third starter for the Cubs. And wishing him well, that is a dude who struggled mightily in his first year, did not quit, came to camp last year, ready to do whatever he could, found utility as a reliever, and was happy to do anything and everything, short relief, long relief, whatever, kept at it, earned the respect of, the, of that room. And now this year, because of circumstance and because of his, his decency last year, gets a shot in the rotation again. And he gets a home start today. Let's hope we see Tyler Chatwood under control, not throwing walks all over the place. And if you do, his stuff plays. He, that is a legit arm with a real good four-seam fastball and a curveball that can be deadly. Not a lot of swing-and-miss pitchers on this Cubs staff. Certainly in terms of the starters, Chatwood is one. Although, you know what? Historically, you might not have said Kyle Hendricks is a swing-and-miss pitcher. I think we have to say that now. He just, he just is. It's not your, your prototypical swing-and-miss stuff, but that man elicits a lot of swings and misses and a lot of bad swings. A lot of bad contact swings, that's for sure. It's hit and run on 670 The Score. Chris Kampka will join us next hour. And Bruce Levine coming up next live from Wrigley where David Ross has already spoken. We'll talk to Bruce next on Hit and Run. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.